Well, good morning, church. And I'm ready for some laugh-out-loud joy, some deep-in-your-soul joy, some joy uh, that despite the circumstances, because we're in the book of joy, and it's a message of rejoice. Now, last week, Mike uh, opened us up with the insight that God has a purpose for us that connects us together, and it's a connection that brings joy in our lives. So thank you for being connected together to see what kind of purposes God is pulling out of our lives even today as we move to chapter 2. And here's the question. If you had to, if you got to choose a superpower from a superhero, what superpower would you choose? Now, my favorite superheroes are the Incredibles. So what would you choose? Would you choose from Mr. Incredible to be so strong you can pick the car up by the bumper like that? Or his wife, Elastigirl, who can uh, be sitting on the couch right now and reach all the way back to the kitchen, pour coffee and bring it back and not get up? Uh, Or how about Violet? She's got the force field around her, keep all that COVID out. Or better yet, as a teen, she gets to disappear. Uh, And then there's Dash, with an attitude, everywhere fast. Or Jack-Jack, he surprises you, catches on fire. Or maybe you're kind of a classic person, and you would like some of the superpowers like to be able to fly. Uh, Wonder Woman. Actually, she didn't fly. She uh, sailed on wind currents. And did you know that she also had the superpower of smell? Now, I I raised three boys in my home. That's not a superpower I would choose. What superpower would you choose? Why? I think I would choose flying. (laughs) I I just think it would be kind of cool. You're late for work? Just, Just fly there or... Fly to your neighbor's backyard or give someone a lift. It'd be, it'd be kind of fun, wouldn't it? What did you choose and why? Another question. Did any of you choose a superpower for the reason that you could use it to help someone else, to meet another person's need? Ooh, maybe that's not quite what we were thinking about as we filled ourselves with this superpower. Jesus had a superpower. Now, he was the son of God, and he came to this world, and he demonstrated powerful miracles. But note when he did miracles like uh, curing leprosy on one or uh, healing the blind on another or a Uh, 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 a crippled arm on another. After those miracles, he said, don't tell anyone. Why? Because he didn't want to be known as just one who does those kind of super acts, just kind of a, a show or show off. No, they pointed to something that was much greater, and that's who he was and why he came. For he is the Son of God who came with a mission 
And that mission required that he would have a superpower that he is ready and willing to share with you and me today. And that superpower is servanthood, humility, setting aside heavenly glory that he might come beneath us and serve us. The scripture today from Philippians chapter 2 comes from several phrases, but it sums up the message. Paul says it this way to the church in Philippi. Make my joy complete by being like-minded. Have the same mindset as Christ. Have the same attitude as Christ. The same mindset as Christ Jesus taking the very nature of a servant. So Jesus wants today to share his superpower with you and with me and its servanthood. And actually because of it, surprisingly enough, it comes with great joy. I think we need to begin by taking a quick look at that word servanthood, what people were hearing when Paul penned these words and sent it to this Roman, col uh, Roman colony of Philippi. Writing from Rome, a city of about 1 million people, 300,000 to 400,000 of them were slaves. And the word servant is the same word as slaves in his writing. And people did not have a high opinion of them because slaves had no rights. Most were coerced in it. They were captured uh, from other countries or born into it. So people heard that Jesus was a slave. What kind of slave was he? Well, I think we need to point out that God is not one who is going to coerce or force. He is going to give opportunities for people to give up and serve. And there's a big difference. When I was in fourth grade on a boring summer day, my older brother had some bazooka bubble gum and took out the little comic that comes with it. And he pointed it to me and he said, hey, this is my comic. I don't want you to touch it. I said, sure. No, don't touch it. You promise. Don't touch it. So okay, I promise. I won't touch it. I didn't think anything of it after that. But the next day, I found this comic on the counter by the bathroom sink, and it was turned the other way where I couldn't read it. Well, what am I going to do? Of course, I turned it around so I could read it. Man, wasn't that funny? Left it there. And later my brother comes in and he says, did you touch my comic? Go, yeah, but I didn't take it or anything. No, did you touch? You promised you wouldn't. Yeah, but I mean, no, you promised you wouldn't. You have got to be my slave. Oh, what? You got to make my bed for a week. But I did. You broke your promise. But Oh, by the way, uh, Tom, everything's good. We've kind of worked this out, you know, so uh, we've moved on. But there is some truth about this. If you're forced to serve out of coercion, your heart is not in it. Tom, I did not want to make your bed, and I'm glad that chapter's over. 
God does not force us, nor does Jesus come into our world under any kind of pressure. The glory of this servanthood is a type of delight to serve, willingness to serve, that's born out of being in a love relationship as Jesus was in a love relationship with his father and obeyed that uh, injunction of love to bring it to our world. So, John chapter 15 says it this way. For Jesus makes this qualification to us as well, what it means to be a servant. Our identity is who we are in Christ, as sons and daughters. So out of that, we have the opportunity to lovingly and willingly and joyfully serve. John 15, Jesus' words, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants. I no longer call you slaves. Because a slave does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you my friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. I'm going to give you the privilege to choose to serve. We move to Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. And we follow Jesus on the pathway to glory the pathway to how he served. Now, this is one of those concise statements of the person and work of Jesus that is a signature of the book of Philippians and uh, one of the uh, most uh, profound theological statements in the New Testament, but yet Paul uses it as an example for us by holding up what Jesus has done for us. Philippians 2, beginning at verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Literally in the Greek, something to be grasped, something to be snatched, something to be hung on to. For you see, we're setting the scenario here of the distance that God is going to travel in in the Son, Jesus Christ, to come from the highest glories of heaven to the lowest depths of this broken world. Now, when we think about distance, we think about physical distance. Our universe, for an example, is 93 billion light years across that we can observe. And if light travels 186,000 miles per second, that's a long way. It's much longer from Jesus, God's Son, in fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit at the glorious heights and celebration of a whole different realm of heaven to leave that realm and to set aside his 
heavenly glory and to come to this realm of earth. But so the journey is. Verse 7, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, the creator, becoming one of the creatures he created. And think of how well he knows our thoughts, our cares, our human experience. He experienced it as one of us so that he might be a perfect sacrifice in our place. For the journey continues, the distance between setting aside heavenly glory and taking on the lowest of this broken world. By becoming obedient to death, he was obedient to the Father. And throughout the gospel accounts, you'll hear Jesus say, I'm just doing what I see my Father doing. And he spends time uh, getting his insight and direction from the Father in prayer, just like we can as well. But this was done for uh, obedience to the Father so that he might best serve out of love to you and me. Death. He experienced the human consequence of sin, which is physical death, but even more than that, spiritual death, feeling the wrath of God against sin. In these words, even death on a cross. Consider what that looked like and put it in contrast to his heavenly glory. For his heavenly glory was in display for all of the heavenly creatures to, to bask in and, and to give glory to. But on the cross, he was on display as well. He hung there beaten, bruised, and naked as a very intentional symbol of shame mockery, derision, hatred. For the sin of the world was being laid on him. The night before, Jesus prayed to his father, Father, glorify your son that your son may glorify you. He was talking about a very unique kind of glory. It was a glory of of servanthood to the point of becoming sin for us on the cross. An ultimate glory. So his path of glory comes from the highest realm of heaven to the lowest depth of our brokenness to take and make a way for us to have access to heaven as well. Verse 9, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. For you see, he's going to reign and rule in heaven now and forever. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. It is a picture of Jesus' ultimate return in full glory with all the heavenly creatures and the saints before. 
when every eye will see him who's ever lived um, at, and, and will admit that it's true, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And to some, it'll be to their terror because they don't know him as Lord or Savior. But to others, it is a victory profession. He's coming again, and his glory will be revealed. It's a pathway of glory that goes through the humility of servanthood. And Jesus says, Paul's words anyway, make my joy complete by having this same pathway in your life. And so he does. We have three steps to it. The first step is to make it ours in step one by being united with Christ. Chapter 2, verse 1 says this, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, any tenderness or compassion, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. All of this begins with this phrase, being united in Christ. And that means being in a relationship with him in which he has purchased for us life by his life lived in our place and exchanged our sin in turn. And what we simply do is to humble ourselves enough to say, I, I need it. Without it, I'm lost. And to admit my sin, to believe that Jesus is who he said he is and to confess him as our Lord and Savior. Make it ours, step one, unite with him. Step two, make it ours. Empty out the vain glory. For you see, just as Jesus uh, set aside his heavenly glory, we also have a type of glory we need to set aside. King James calls it Vain glory. The NIV calls it vain conceit. And it's like that bucket with many holes that you can't keep filled because you keep trying and it keeps leaking out. And it's all the things that we do so that we can be full of ourselves. It can be our rights, our perspective, what's best for us. It's all about me. Do nothing out of selfish ambition, Paul writes or vain conceit, or vain glory. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. It records in Scripture that Jesus' closest friends, his disciples, argued. You know what they were arguing about? Who's the best? Who should get more credit? Hey, uh, who is more important? And wait a minute, how dare you infringe upon my rights? Even on his last trip to Jerusalem, while he was telling them, I am going there and I'm going to give my life and die on the cross, they were having the debate of which of us get the most glory. So I wonder, when they saw Jesus die on the cross, 
What were they thinking? Probably that, was that a mistake? I mean, how could he let that happen? Oh, my. But when he rose again, and when they met him then, it all began to make sense. It was necessary. That's how far he would go to give us life with him. And life with him is glorious because we can be freed from that stupid, vain glory that we all pursue. I think it's a daily struggle. It is for me. But when I consider what Jesus has done by setting aside his glory to come into my world, to give everything for me, to serve me such a way, oh my, I can only gladly give that glory back to him in serving others. And so we make it ours, step three. We serve the Father, and we do that by better seeing the needs around us to meet. Our service is first to the Father, just like it was to Jesus. So we tune in because it's a big question. If we're going to seek our power that is coming from what Jesus has done for us through his superpower of servanthood, and it's going to be given to us, we had better search the Father to see how he wants that to be expressed to other people when he calls us to serve them. What needs are we to meet? We can't meet all needs. Oh my, but there's certain specific ones we can. We just need to tune into what he's calling us to. Please note, I think that he's calling a lot of us in this season for reaching out to the disenfranchised, the marginalized, the, the downtrodden. Certainly, that's who Jesus identifies with in his life here, and certainly that who he esteems and calls us to serve as well. As a church, we want to be about that as we partner locally and abide and open door mission and, and other activities. Um, and I'm looking forward to this fall when we're going to talk about how we're going to partner with a village in the Dominican Republic uh, with Food for the Hungry and help make a transition in, that, in their lives. So we're called to serve the Father and see the needs of the people around us. What needs is the Father leading you to meet? Is it right there next to you in your own family? What kind of church is going to be a superhero church? What kind of church are we going to be? <laughs> We're not going to be a type of church that looks for superpower so we can be filled with our own vain glory. We know that. Oh, my. But we are going to be filled with Jesus' superpower, a type of humility that gives us a privilege, a privilege to serve him. And I think it's important that we remember at this time the end game. And the end game is that someday 
you and I will be there when Jesus returns. Now, whether we're alive and he returns or whether we die before that, we will be coming back with him. But at that time, every knee will bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And what will you do? Do you realize at that time we have a chance to return the gift? He's given us so much, we can return the gift. And that in the name of Jesus, we have served, we have served in your name to this world. And Jesus tells stories about that. He says, on that day, you're going to hear words like, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus tells a parable of the, the master who comes back and he finds a servant doing what he should be doing. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter your master's happiness. Let that happiness, let that joy happen now because we serve him. The pathway to glory is through servanthood and we're invited to be part of it. May God give this power of Jesus Christ to us all. Amen.